360 Biz on cliffcentral.com. Welcome to 360 Biz. You're rolling with Bulelani Balabala. I mean, 360 Biz is a platform created for, to, to, to give out information for small, small businesses, SMMEs, medium sized businesses. And today we've got two beautiful ladies that are going to help us entrepreneurs with, with regards to our legal matters. And come to think of it, legal matters, I mean, anything pertaining to legal, we leave it to, I mean, we leave it till the end. I think the most legal thing that we always focus on is uh, CIPC and complying with that. But I mean, thing, in terms of contracts and all that stuff, I know that with, uh, I know that even with myself, I mean, I've been in business for over 10 years. Now and I mean with regards to things like Contracts and all that stuff those are some of the Things that we leave behind because We've got a certain mentality that says that We'll deal with it later so what What we'll be engaging on today is Demystifying things around Law um, Legal stuff because it seems so Formal and so uptight but It's stuff that we need in order for us to grow our Businesses and move them to a whole new Level because we all have heard stories of how People pitched ideas and they Lost them due to whatever The case was due or rather due to None discloses being signed or whatever The case is so I've got two beautiful And amazing ladies and Actually not two beautiful and amazing Ladies I've got three beautiful Amazing ladies and the one is an Intern but I mean I'm told that she's got wealth of wisdom and knowledge to disperse and i mean so join in with us i mean we are well, our WhatsApp number is 079. If you've got anything to throw our way, 079-748-2090. I'll repeat again, 079-748-2090. I'm now just going to jump straight into the first lady. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I'm having so much fun because tomorrow is a public holiday. So it's old. <laughs> so how are you? Tell us who you are. Just please share with our listeners who you are and what you do. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Yole Loas Kunyana, and I'm the founder and the director of Sikunyana Incorporated, a firm that is based in Midrand and particularly is based at the River Sands Incubation Hub, which is a hub that's, that, that hosts SMMEs. Nice. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. I'm Monisha Prem. I'm from Prem Incorporated, a law firm that specializes in commercial law exclusively for entrepreneurs. Nice. Hi, um, I'm Shalia. I'm interning with Munisha. I'm a third-year marketing student at Tux, and I'm hoping to go into honors next year. So why law? Oh, no, marketing. Oh, marketing, marketing not yes. law. Not law, marketing. So we stand corrected. She's, <laughs> <laughs> she's in marketing. But, I mean, how have you found the space so far? Though? I love it. I absolutely love it. I enjoy every aspect that I can go into with it. Because with marketing, I can go into whatever company I can. And I enjoy media, so that's what I'm hoping to get into eventually. Yeah. So the reason why Shalia is interning with Imprem Incorporated is that it's our firm belief that uh, law is a golden thread uh, that permeates all aspects of business. And marketing itself is something that is not isolated from law. Um, so that's the reason why we inc- we, we encourage young entrepreneurs who are also studying, be it marketing, accounting, um, whatever the nature of the study is, but still heading towards, towards business, that to consider law to be a pillar yeah. of entrepreneurship. And I mean, of all the professions you could have gone into, why law? So law is um, a foundation in my, from my perspective. In other words, it forms the basis of um, the principle of logic 
um, organized uh, trade. Um, it is a preventative mechanism in terms of avoiding conflict and dispute in the future. So I think it is a powerful tool to have in your box of uh, entrepreneurship tools. So um, if you ask me why did it get into it in the first place, because it's something that attracted me, but from there, I was able to move into commerce, move into business. As I said, it, found, it, it, it provided a really good basis as a foundation. Sure. Why law? Yeah, why law? <laughs> it, it brings order, firstly. Yeah. There is a systematic way of doing things. The law is clear on that. So being a, a citizen that actually encourages everyone to do right and as well to actually teach other people about the law. This interested me because particularly I spent some time in the corporate and I was dealing with suppliers and I could see that uh, at the end of the day they don't understand the cracks of the law and they don't understand how to manage contracts, obligations. So this interested me and I planned intentionally that I'm going to go into that route and actually invest my skills in terms of advising and actually drafting some contracts for suppliers and entrepreneurs at large and i mean you're playing in the smme space and we all know i mean I'm, I'm, i've been an smme for quite a bit and i know that sometimes especially when you're starting out i mean as a startup i'm sure you do a startup from time to time i mean um what are some of the challenges you come across look the first challenge with um smmes is that uh, they think they have time to comply they don't have to comply now so their, their actual attitude is to react, not necessarily being proactive. So what I do, I educate them on the importance of contracts for their business. My argument has always been that, look, we've invested so much knowledge on the accounting, on the finances, but no one has ever invested in the legal side of things for entrepreneurs. So now we have a government now that's encouraging participation in the economy of the small businesses. So we need to shift to that side where they would understand what are contractual obligations, how are they linked to their businesses. Because if you don't comply with your contract, you are likely to get a termination. And yeah. that termination is linked to your revenue. And then your business is going to collapse. So my argument is that we need to invest in that education. We need to invest in the knowledge of negotiating contracts and concluding valid contracts. Yeah. And I mean, in, in this engagement with entrepreneurs, have you found them open to this, 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 this education or rather ingesting this new aspect in terms of the business? Because I mean, most of the time we're so focused on building whatever that we're building, which is why maybe we're reactive. Yes, correct. The first challenge with uh, SMMEs, they will tell you about affordability and access to legal services. And this is why we are appealing right now to say that the government has overlooked and other uh, entities in the private sector this particular education. And we are saying they are willing to learn. However, the challenge is that how do I access a legal practitioner who's going to look into my legal and compliance for free and all those things. But the services actually cost money. However, in South Africa, you know that compliance um, uh, is a bit expensive for SMMEs, even though you find these uh, exempted uh, small enterprises, but they still have to comply equally with the big um, entities. But that's what they would tell you. We don't afford it, which is why we embark rather on education so that they are proactive instead of being reactive when they are in trouble. 
Hmm. I mean, with with regards to this particular conversation, I mean, your your engagement with entrepreneurs. I mean, how long have you been dealing with entrepreneurs, or rather, running the law firm? So, with entrepreneurs, it's been the last six years of helping two main aspects for entrepreneurs. The first is that to use law as a preventative tool, because we, in order to prevent dispute, in order to prevent conflict, in order to prevent loss. The, I am also an entrepreneur. I'm also an SME. And I understand how we, we put other, other things, other issues ahead of compliance, governance, contracts. We, th- we always plan to be big. We plan to be successful. But we never plan to lose. So I always ask my clients this question. Every morning you get up, you plan a perfect day. How often or when was the last time you actually had a perfect day? My point is that when you're considering loss and when you're considering success, there's a high probability, and that's called risk, of things going wrong. Law is a risk management tool to help you to either reduce the probability of loss, the extent of loss, An example could be a dispute with a shareholder, which is one of the biggest complaints that I receive. Breakdown in relationships, contractual obligations are not being met by counterparties. So those are potential losses that could result in financial loss and potentially the actual demise of your business. The business could die before it even starts. So the question is, how much of time are you... Spending thinking about what are you going to do when things go wrong, you should have, you shouldn't you need to think about that before things go wrong. It's like a marriage. The reason why we enter into anti-nuptial contracts is that we are realistic. There's a possibility we may have to part ways, and if we're going to do that, we need to do it in an amicable, fair way. So law is used as a preventative tool to prevent loss. To prevent harm And when things start exploding You have an understanding of how to resolve it And if you don't have that written in contracts Or policies Or decided with your team up front Then it becomes difficult to agree When things get heated Later in the process So that's the first aspect of law From an SME perspective About prevention of loss But I think More importantly is that law Can be used for growth And entrepreneurs fail to realize the value of the principles of law that can actually fuel growth. And um, I'll give you an example. We do not intend to be SMEs for the rest of our lives as entrepreneurs. We plan for growth. So how do we use the law to help us grow? Mm. So a good way is to have sound contracts so your, you look at your penalty clauses, your indemnification clauses, your um, where you actually start losing cash as a result of non-performance. So those are very specific things. Alternatively, you look at um, at a certain point where you need to grow. You think about how do I acquire assets? How do I buy shares? How do I bring on an equity partner? You need to do that within the confines of regulation mm. of law mm. and i have practiced as an mergers and acquisition specialist for many years and when you're doing deals and growing inorganically in other words you're not growing marginally incrementally one 
rand a day, you eventually start looking for exponential growth. So you mm. start acquiring assets. You start acquiring uh, equity and other opportunities, even if it's cross-border or local. You cannot start moving in that direction without considering the legalities of it. I think I think I mean I think one of the things that I'd like to touch on there maybe just give us a breakdown in terms of equity so that our listeners would get a much broader or clearer understanding of equity. Let's That's take a bad such look. a good yeah. question. So um, if you consider a business um a business is an operating entity that has operations every day it's producing a product, a service it's distributing it, it's taking it to market and it's selling it. And for that, you're getting income. So that's the trade aspect of business. Um, there's also the legal aspect of business. And the legal aspect says that um, I that there is a vehicle and I, I refer to it as a bus. And within that bus, there are players in the bus. So you get the bus driver, you get the passengers, you get the engine, and all of that is in the bus and it's contained in the bus. Those are the players that are performing these activities in the business. There are people that are not in the bus, that are outside the bus. They have an interest of what's happening in the bus, but they don't have to necessarily be a bus driver or a passenger or a conductor. They are people that have invested money in terms of production of the bus, in terms of operating of the bus, and when the bus makes a profit, then they get the profit. Mm. They are equity holders. Mm. They are someone that has a vested interest as a uh, owner, but they don't necessarily have to be in the bus. They an, an equity owner or equity is someone that is called a residual value holder. You're only entitled to what's left at the end. Mm. But in small businesses, very often, an equity holder who is the shareholder is very often the director who is very often the employee. And that's when things start getting a little bit complicated yeah. about people not understanding the difference between equity holder, a director, and an employee. It's called the three hats principle in governance, but we won't go there right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I'll have you guys in future to talk about yes. that. But now a question I'd like to pose to both ladies, maybe you can start it off. I mean, as a, as a, as an entrepreneur, I mean, when we starting the talk conversation around legal, I mean, what are, I don't know if there is a top five or a top three. I mean, top five or top three areas in my business to look at in terms of legal that are important. Yeah. Well, look, um, the regulations. Firstly, um, you, you, you're talking about your labor laws, you're talking about consumer laws. If you're selling something, you'll have to be aware of what the consumer laws are saying. And there are various um, uh, types of regulations. Recently, the SMMEs have been added on the uh, corporate governance, which is a king for they have to comply with that. So there's a lot of there's basic compliance. Then there is contractual compliance, which goes hand in hand with you getting into deals or transactions. So obviously you're going to go to meetings and you guys going to be happy, shake hands and say, look, let's do this. But you've got to detail that. What are your obligations? What are the obligations of the other party? If uh, the marriage goes wrong, what are you going to do? And who is going to take what at the mm. end of the relationship? Mm. So entrepreneurs fail to, to consider that in the beginning. They fail to provide for disputes in the future. So um, uh, 
when when it's time now to decide in terms of the contract who has to do what entrepreneurs don't know because they never considered that mm. a, i'll make a, a good example for you uh for it um entrepreneurs who do the apps when they take clients instructions they don't actually sign a non disclosure or, or or confidentiality agreements and you find them now being in, di- in dispute with their own clients. Their own clients alleging that, well, I gave you my information and now I see the app, whoever, whoever is using it. And now there's that dispute because they failed to sign a simple agreement that they will not disclose to third parties. And this is in confidence. So obviously, if you don't take care of such provisions, you find yourself in trouble because now you're going to be sued for having disclosed information to third parties. So these are these are some of the risk management that uh, the entrepreneurs need to consider in running businesses. So when you talk at the end of the day, you need to record somewhere that these are the terms of what you agreed with, with your business partners or your clients or anything of that sort. And then, I mean, in your business, how do you how, how do you operate it? Is it on retainer, or I mean, is it is it on a how, how does it all work? Well, it, it depends on the nature of the work that you're getting from the client. It can either be a retainer. We have an hourly rate, and we have flat rates as well. It you just assess the client, which is why we say we are flexible in terms of our services, and we tailor make our services for the client's needs. So we cannot say directly how we charge, but those are the options that are there in the market depending on the nature of the job. So I work um, slightly differently, and the reason being is that as entrepreneurs, we need to we need to hear what our clients' needs are. Um, for one, uh, I don't believe that contracts uh, alone um, can solve an protect a business you know to threatening to sue or going to courts for example is very expensive and lengthy exercises and i don't believe in resolving disputes in that matter so the way i work is that i believe that law doesn't work in isolation you've got to understand commerce and trade and relationship management if you're looking at protecting your ip you have to look beyond the contract and look at about st- establishing stronger relationships using your judgment to say when should i walk away from this client because this doesn't look like something that can take my business forward using common sense to say that i decide irrespective of the value from a RAND perspective, this could actually hurt my brand. Mm. So I do believe that law doesn't work in isolation. It works with commercial, commercial and entrepreneurial instinct. And that's the message I try to drive with entrepreneurs. Don't think that lawyers, lawyers are the only people that deal with law. You are a jack of all trade and a master of all. You need to accept law to be part of your DNA because you need to understand, I need to protect my IP, but I can't base it just on a written contract, and which I need to get from a lawyer. I need to understand how to work this relationship or to use my discretion as to whether I'm going to enter this relationship or not at the outset. And in terms of working with entrepreneurs, I do believe that for me, I don't like being told that the kind of work, uh, the cost depends on 
hours. And so what I do is I, I don't like that type of running meter because it makes me nervous <laughs> when I, when I get a quotation and, or I'm getting an idea of something and they say, well, I don't know actually how much it's going to cost. It depends and let's see how long. I believe in fixed upfront pricing. Entrepreneurs are different beasts. We need to know. I have limited budgets. How much is it going to cost me? I don't want, um, I don't want the uh, big five type of law firm rates. I want affordable rates and I want to know a defined amount. And what I do is I regulate behavior and expectation of my clients based on upfront pricing. But every bit of legal work that is delivered to an entrepreneur needs to come with hand holding. Because we're not that sophisticated yet. We're still getting there. So we need to workshop. We need to discuss. We need to understand. So there has to be a component of unpacking and educating as we move move along any any instruction. Yeah. And then, I mean, with regards to, I mean, with regards to these, with, with regards to SMMEs in general, I mean, what are some of the services you find them coming to you asking for? I mean, of the year. So the number one request is for contracts. Um, as Yulelua mentioned, is that very often entrepreneurs would download contracts from Google and um, it's inappropriate. The jurisdictions don't apply. It's something from the U.S. The law is different. Our consumer protection legislation is different. And they get into trouble and they say, look, can you help me fix this? So it's either fixing an existing contract or drafting a new contract. And my number one requested contract is a shareholders agreement because the biggest disputes arise out of equity holders. Mm. They have different expectations. There's greed. There's distrust that starts rearing its head over time. So that's shareholders agreement and supply and service level agreements for the supply of services and um, goods. So it's contracts and then there's labor. Uh, even I'm at the CCMA. There's nothing we can avoid. Um, the CCA is open for business. CCMA. <laughs> Everybody can, anybody can walk in. And uh, so the question is, how do we prepare for that day uh, when we do get to the CCMA? And entrepreneurs must know during their lifetime, the average number of times between five and 15 times entrepreneurs are in the CCMA. Um, you know, dealing with uh, labor disputes. So that would be number two. And uh, what's growing um, is governance. The question is, how do directors manage themselves? How do we handle shareholders' meetings? What do we do? How do we, what do we need to do from CIPC? There's a lot of questions around governance and how do we um, apply governance in um, SMEs. And a final one, if I may just add, is social media. Mm. So it's getting dangerous. Yeah. And it's uh, people are getting burnt and brands are losing equity, brand equity, as a result of bad behavior online. Hmm. I think that's a conversation I'd like to touch on. <laughs> on your side? Um, it's contractual disputes. Yeah. Um, that is the number one uh, problem that we have. And uh, as I've said, it's simply based on the reactive mode. And we also have disputes with um, funders. Most of the SMMEs have disputes with their own funders. Hmm. So you find out that um, the funders have now issued summons and uh, there's restructuring involved. But in essence, the root cause 
is having not read that contract or understood that mm. contract. So that is our number one um, issue. One example is one client that signed an agreement and um, he was told that he must not draw a salary for six months. Uh, but he did because he never saw that clause. And now the dispute arose and the funder said, look, we're withdrawing uh, because this was a condition. So which makes it critical, but we get a lot of those. And the second one is the IP. We get a lot of um, registrations for trademarks, patents, and some designs, uh, especially in the construction side and the engineering side. So uh, entrepreneurs are starting to realize the wealth that may be discovered in actually registering or protecting your IP. But what is also critical is that uh, we do educational sessions on infringements as well. Because if you infringe someone else's IP, you're going down one way or the other. Mm, so it's mm. not only for you to protect, you need to learn not to infringe and comply with the rules and the laws that are, are, are regulating IP. So that is the third part. The fourth one is actually your civil litigation. Uh, we have a lot of litigation in terms of um, entrepreneurs having uh, breached contracts and then they want to sue this and that and others are being sued by funders, mostly funders. So huh. that is almost a, a, a trend to say that there is a problem between funders and uh, entrepreneurs. You would think, though, to a certain degree that, I mean, if so much of this has happened with regards to funders and entrepreneurs, the funders would go an extra mile in terms of educating um, entrepreneurs with regards to their contracts. But I guess at the end of the day, it's all business. Or, I mean, what do you think? Yeah, well, we have approached some funders to say, look, it is better to have a consumer that is educated Yes. Your risk is lessened, it's mitigated. You know you are dealing with an entrepreneur that understands exactly. And uh, some funders are considering it uh, to actually fund the educational sessions. But uh, we are available to say we, we can teach entrepreneurs because we have seen the trend of those disputes. We can actually compile a long list. And it's simply based on issues of obligations hmm. where there is misunderstanding of what, who to do what and how to comply. Hmm. So I'm an SMME, right? I've got a delinquent um, client who has not paid me for the past five, six months. How can you help me? Well, we will start um, uh, uh, looking at that contract that you entered. There's uh, no contract. Um, There's so, a quotation. So the quotation and you sent it, it's terms. Mm. Uh, it, will, it will amount to that. It was accepted and you performed and he did not perform his own part. So that would be a claim, a valid claim. Start with a letter of demand, it's normal, and then if there is no response, we also need to look at the uh, amount as well, that you don't spend more on litigation uh, instead of uh, using other ways like negotiation or accepting installments. But you do have a case where you can establish a claim and that you've rendered the services. Just on that, because I'm consulting yes. for everyone out there. <laughs> so um, you can also approach, I, I'm a firm believer in alternate uh, dispute resolution. I don't believe the courts are the only um, remedy available to to, um, to SMEs. And remember that our small claims courts, um, it's unfortunate, but they're not open for business to SMEs. It's... it's um, 
it's recovering funds from a personal capacity. So, um, and they're also limited in terms of the amount of claim that you can mm. take to a small claims court. Everything else would go to a magistrate court or high court, which starts becoming very expensive. So you can approach CEDA. You can approach the uh, uh, Treasury, National Treasury, and um, they can assist you in terms of understanding why uh, payment hasn't been made, etc. If there's disputes among um, shareholders and directors, you can uh, approach the um, the tribunal at the CIPC. And uh, we have various ombudsman available in terms of um, any claims dealing with consumers. So um, also try to do uh, look at uh, negotiation and mediation first and consider some form of arbitration where you bring in a specialist who will make a binding uh, award or decision and uh, you would have to adhere to that. So in that way, you're preventing uh, uh, approaching the court's first and foremost and wasting sums of money and um I always believe that the lawyers end up making the most money in in that type of scenario. So alternate uh, dispute resolution is always a good idea. Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously, you know, we're on the, not not necessarily on the brink, but I mean, we're in the digital age where, I mean, I hear a lot of guys because I share a lot of platforms. I mean, I do a lot of talks around brand development, strategy, marketing, positioning, and the digital guys will come on board. We're in the digital age. But at the very same time, there's something that you mentioned with regards to um, being, you know, drafting contracts around digital and also, I mean, um, making sure that you are up to par. I mean, what, what are some of the challenges or some of the uh, thing, disputes you've come across in the digital space? So contracts themselves, um, are, are, there's, it's permissible by law that you can, you don't have to have a written contract. And that's what Yolelwa mentioned about there are terms. You, you even, you can agree on a verbal contract, but it's very difficult to prove the terms, um, when you've agreed verbally. So it starts becoming a challenge and difficult to prove the different terms if you haven't written anything. Also with, uh, with contracts, the way that they are executed, in other words, they can be signed digitally in terms of our legislation. So very often you can uh, sign or amend an agreement uh, through email and very often uh, WhatsApp or other digital unless your contract says that this may not be executed or amended digitally. So those are some of the uh, changes uh, that we are finding that's coming through that's impacting the way we are um, contracting in the digital age. The other thing is that because of social media, uh, we are communicating um, not just on social media platforms, but through instant messaging um, that can amend our contractual obligations um, without um, having discussed it or agreed on it, and we are allowed to amend those obligations from a digital perspective. Um, so that's in terms of dealing, executing and amending contracts digitally. Uh, the second component in terms of technology is being able to capture those terms, as you said. Mm. So whether it's an app development or if you, if it's an IP development, uh, any form of Digital technology that's, it's, this, we need to be able to reduce that to writing. The sooner you do it, the better. Especially if there's a multi-party, um, arrangement and there's quite a few persons or entities, then you may have to consider doing a joint venture, a consortium agreement or a cooperative, a cooperation agreement. And then, I mean, in terms of, um, 
one of the well, I think one of the things that um, have always came to my mind and in engaging with the other entrepreneurs because I engage with quite a few of them debt collection is it in your space at this stage I don't do debt collection <laughs> <laughs> I also don't do debt collection uh, so I, I tell you what <laughs> you guys can hire me I get a knife guns so we go there we <laughs> the cost the cost of recovery with the amount and Yulela mentions this earlier is that you need to weigh up are you in the business of debt collection or are you in the business of making money yeah. and trading? So you would have to look at the ratio or the percentage of your, um, of your total book or your revenue that is, uh, unrecovered and decide whether you want to recover that. And there are attorneys that specialize in that. I think for me, I, I'm in prevention. I'm mm. in a preventative legal practice. So I don't litigate at all. Yeah. So, um, I do believe that we have to find ways to try and prevent that. And it's not just, as I say, law is not in isolation. You need processes in place, mechanisms, systems, and you need the right resources to ensure that before you start litigating, you're able to recover uh, what's due to you. So here's the thing. With regards to the previous um, scenario I had thrown out with regards to a supplier owing, a, not a supplier per se, but a client owing an SMME and dragging them out for way too long, at which point, I mean, and you can relay this with scenarios you've had with other clients, at which point, or rather amount or whatever has happened, do I sit there as an SME and think to myself, you know what, now I need to go to court or push this thing? So, as I've mentioned, for me, you must have exhausted all other remedies. So, massaging the relationship, in other words, working a good relationship that you had, um, mit and then obviously trying to negotiate, giving them a better deal if they settled, settled you immediately, try and reduce the amount that's outstanding. So using various mechanisms to try to get the payment, you can then bring in a lawyer or bring in an accountant and get some kind of mediation. And I've mentioned that, or you can arbitrate. Um, and you've tried all these remedies and they're still refusing to, it's not a matter of time. It's a matter of what are your options and have you tried all other remedies and then um, you could issue a letter of demand uh, followed by a summons. Amount? before I think I want you to answer that with amount. I mean, what's a sensible amount for when all has been said and done? What's what's a sensible? Is there such a thing as a sensible amount? Like I mean, someone owes me ten thousand, versus someone who owes me two million. I mean, is there such a thing as a sensible amount? Or when when I I mean weighing it out against the legal costs. So, um, Yulelo must just back me up on this. So, I it, the amount is a very good question because if it's a very large amount, it pushes it into a, a different court that will hear it, and uh, once it goes into a high court, so over seven fifty. Uh, currently, um, um, the magistrate is 300,000. 300. So once it's over, it goes to the high, high court. So if it's over 300, so I thought it was a lot more. That's horrific to hear. <laughs> 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 so, you know, I haven't been into a court for about 10 years. So, um, once it's over 300, you're not only going to need an attorney, you're going to need an advocate and then you're going to need to prepare papers. Mm. And, um, this is a three, what three to five year game? Yes, yeah. In the high court, right in now, court. It's, if it's opposed, you're looking at two years plus. Yeah, to get it date. I got an um. <laughs> so for one of my clients, and I'll, this is a real example. Um, 
remains obviously anonymous. He, yeah. um, I mean, he, he was owed about just under 900,000. So definitely a high court matter. And so the question was, what percentage of his total income did that 900,000 make up? Um, although it was less than, um, 10%, he thought it was significant because, um, so he did a, an analysis around that and he wanted to get a quotation and he was quoted a few hundred thousand rands. So like about a 300,000 rand deposit, um, because it's going, it's going to be a long term, um, uh, a trial and they were going to have to get uh, papers and appearances by a high court, uh, by an advocate. Am I, is that, does that sound reasonable? What's been your experience? Yeah, well, in, in the high court, because most attorneys don't have a right of appearance, yeah. so you'll always brief counsel, yeah. um, and that's an additional disbursement for the client. Um, however, I've got uh, a, an approach to say that uh, between a big corporate and a small corporate, how do you approach this debt? For me, uh, I have always linked f- failure of SMMEs on these unpaid invoices. So I'm not really kind uh, to say, look, let's do this long trip because at the end of the day, you've rendered that service. You are a surviving SMME and now you are expected to wait for half a year. Some wait 12 months and it's, it's, it's not appropriate. At some point in time, you render a service, you must be paid for it, mm. especially mm. if somebody approved that service. Mm. So I, I, I always say that you need to claim your value. You've rendered a service. Do not compromise because you are thinking maybe they will shut me out, but you will shut your business. So if it's a big corporate, I agree. Let's massage the relationship and the amount is big. We know the courts are busy. However, it has become a trend that SMMEs are not paid. Mm. And they are not paid in mm. time, and we know the culprits, and it has to end at some point because we are saying we are cre- creating an economy that is going to be inclusive of SMMEs, and we are saying we are regulating you. So if you are regulating me and I can't even afford to get a, a certificate uh, in labor department because I have to pay for it, how am I supposed to pay for it? So for me, it's a different ball game, and I'm saying SMMEs, they deserve to be paid in time, especially twice a month for that matter because they are still being incubated. They are little kids who are growing up. So if you starve a kid for a month, how do you expect that kid to grow? So if you talk one thing, we are empowering SMMEs, do as well. Big big firms, perhaps, they can afford to get an invoice not paid 60 days, 90 days. It's possible. But for an SMME, that means closure. He hasn't paid their staff. We are tired of stories of SMMEs not paying their staff and all that and all Mm. that. It's not fair to them because they've put everything into that business and now they've got to postpone it because someone feels it's not yet time for you to get paid but you've rendered a service for me a clear cut service rendered let's claim nice so i mean what would what would be the process of a let's claim like when you say, for instance, let's claim to me as an entrepreneur, what do you mean? Do you mean now we start sending a summons or a little, what would the normal process be? So, so we will start at the beginning. Most of these relationships are contractually related. I mean, yeah. regulated. You'll see in the contract whether there's a provision for a, a conciliation, there's arbitration, 
or these courts. So most of the big companies, which are the ones that contract with SMMEs, will use arbitration. And some will use mediation. And they will tell you who exactly um, will be the mediator and how do you appoint them and whether that uh, a decision is binding or not. Because those are the things you must consider to invest on a, a process that is not going to be binding at the end of the day. You still have to review or appeal that. So you look into that first. The contract itself will guide you in terms of dispute resolution. And if it provides for you to approach the courts straight you can do that. You'll start with a letter of demand. We had an agreement, one, two, three. You haven't done your part. I've done my part. Here's my invoice. I sent it on this day. It's now 30 days. You have not paid. And according to our contract, you must pay within 30 days. You are clearly in breach. However, I'll give you 14 days or whatever number of days stipulated to remedy that breach. Failure of which I'll have to exercise my rights. It's a fair way. Mm. You still give them time. And mm. if they don't uh, uh, you've rendered a service, it's a clear cut. Mm, mm. Sure, this is. <laughs> I know, I agree. It is. Uh, to it to start, it, it does. And chances are yeah. it's going to take a long time. Mm, mm. I always ask the question is this really what you want to do? Or is this school fees? And are you prepared to walk away? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I've paid school fees. Mm. Yeah. But oh, SMMEs, nice. they suffer exactly mm. in that way because they sit with 2 million invoices not mm. paid. Mm. There is no sound reason. Yeah, That's all I'm saying. Yeah. There is no sound reason except the SMME being scared that their relationships may go sour. And it is not right. <laughs> this is... Sure. No, because I mean, you know, you know, I think, I think this particular conversation around SMMEs um, not being paid. I mean, I think I'm one of them, but I mean, I know guys that have literally had to shut their doors, yeah. you know. And I think that maybe they were at a point. I don't know if they got any legal recourse or advice or whatever the case is, but it was under a general. It was under the basis of they were waiting, and I think it's that what you just touched on now, not wanting to to, to severe the relationship. Or based on, you know, you still want future business or whatever the case is. And I think that, but now, you know, just to ask now, maybe not just lawyers, but, um, entrepreneurs themselves, how important is it? I mean, to do that separate, to, to have a clear separation, because we're often told that business is all about relationships, right? And now this person has been owing me for four, five, six months now, and they're not they're not responding to my emails or to my calls. At which point do I make the switch without, you know, guilting myself into a corner where I start to think to myself, maybe they won't deal with us anymore? And So business is about relationship, but your number one goal is to trade for profit. And if you're unable to trade for profit, then you will be not be able to make your obligations to your employees, to your creditors, um, to your suppliers. So there, it's, it's not an easy question. And I think it will depend from business to business. Yeah. And it's not a legal question. So, um, it can become a legal question when you decide when am I going to make it a, a recovery. And when am I going to start issuing a letter of demand? And I think we must be clear that irrespective of relationships, how relationships develop, this is still an obligation. There's an, it's still a legal relationship. It's still, there's still an obligation, uh, between parties 
to provide product or service and then the reciprocal is to pay. So do not shy away from asking for money. Mm. Do not shy away from asking for money up front. Or you can fix pricing up front. You can give reduced rates, but there's no reason to give away value before you start working. Mm. So you can, you know, you can start talking about getting deposits, about cost to complete on certain percentage of the work done, getting a certain amount so that your risks and exposure of loss is minimal because you've got a balance that's outstanding at the end of your Mm. delivery. Mm. And if you're not getting paid, if you haven't been paid within seven days, and even though it's due in 20 or 30 days, there's nothing stopping you from reminding and having that relationship to say, listen, I'm... Don't forget to pay me by a certain date because I have other obligations. So I think we, as much as we need to massage and find alternates, the bottom line is there's a legal contractual obligation between Mm. the parties. Mm. And don't be afraid to use that Mm. as soon as possible Mm. to say just a kind, just a gentle reminder that this is where we are. And I think earlier you touched into a critical point about um, penalties. So if you are the supplier, they won't hesitate to issue a letter of penalties. However, if later on they don't pay you, what makes you hesitate to to claim your own money for your services rendered? Mm. So for each day you delay, there's a penalty for you. And eventually they're going to set it off out of the amount they're supposed to pay you. But as a contractant yourself, you maintain your rights. And this is part of education. And this is why I'm saying education, education, education. You need to know what are your obligations, what are the other parties' obligations, and how do you maintain that relationship and contractual obligations? Because that is business. The relationship will remain, but we must be fair and say we are trading in fairness, in good faith. You, we entered into this agreement in good faith that I will deliver and you will pay. If you don't pay, let's go back and say, how do we now resolve this in terms of our agreement? Hmm. Yeah, no, no, that is... that is. So, Bulilani, I was going to say that, yeah. uh, just to touch on all of this coming down to education, yes, and it's definitely discipline. I don't know why we are not more disciplined when it comes to our business. You know, um, we, and I find this to be a consistent um, behavioral aspect when it comes to entrepreneurs is that we, about being disciplined about how we deliver the quality, our obligations, and how we collect our money, and how we have those conversations about compliance. But governance, mm. because things start unfolding and um, and unraveling and becoming a problem, because we are not, we 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 firstly may not have the right information, so we lack the inf- in education. But we are also then ill-disciplined about how we are managing our business affairs. Mm-hmm about how we are managing relationships with our directors, our employees. We may casually amend terms. That suits us now, but it will not suit us in the future. We may mm. let things r- slide, yeah. but when it starts to burn and it starts becoming an actual loss, is then we start questioning, now can I issue a summons? No, you need to look back. You need to look forward. You need to think about how can I be more disciplined about my approach. And that's what law is about. It's, it's developing a framework that forces you to to trade in a disciplined manner. Hmm. 
you know, uh, it's it's seldom, and I mean, I'm, I'm a speaker, and I'm always here, yeah, I'm always talking, but I think, you know, today's conversation has just gotten me to, I don't know, to, to reflect. We'll send, we'll send you the book. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, it's been amazing, because I mean, you know, um, um, some, of these, some of these questions uh, are very close to me that I'm asking, because I run an initiative um, aimed at developing township entrepreneurs. So, I mean, it's been running now for the past 24 months. And these are some of the things that you come across. So, which is why when I say that I interact with them, I mean, we have sessions every third Saturday of the month. We invite different speakers to speak about different aspects and different things. But, I mean, on one-to-one interactions, I mean, some of the things that you pick up are the invoices not being paid or um, stuff that you've mentioned with regards to funders and contractual disputes. I don't know how many of those and where the guy, I think, I think, I think also we know we're not in that legal space where, I mean, the guy would walk away, would end up just walking away, but you're seeing that he's walking away from something that he built, you know, and leaving it to someone who doesn't even care, but it's just that that person has got the power or the funds to be able to exercise their muscle and say, no, we, we will do whatever it is that we need to. But I mean, you know, but now as an entrepreneur or rather as an entrepreneur, how important is it? For me, other, I mean, how would it work? Do I need to have a lawyer, um, always at my disposal? Or, I mean, how does it work? Because, I mean, when I watch movies, I mean, I'm speaking from a layman perspective. I've, I've got a lawyer who's got a team of whatever's, and anytime I need anything, I pick up the phone. I am here at Checkers. They do not want to process my stuff. Please come here. <laughs> is it that dramatic or is it, uh, it's, it's worse than that. No, I'm just <laughs> 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 Should run for the hill. <laughs> it's a nice laugh. <laughs> So for me, I think that um, we need to change our outlook towards information. We're in an information era. We're in a digital era. I cannot tell you how easy it is to access information and education, and especially since there's a lot more of um, entrepreneurial um, training and upliftment, there's programs, there's a lot of legal content being shared, um, whether it's on radio, like stations, like what you're doing right mm, now, mm. Um, going online. I mean, myself and I'm sure Yulelwa and attorneys like ourselves, we are, we are providing content all the time, free articles, Q&A sessions, there's information online, um, read and arm yourself with the right information. Yeah. And there are lawyers like us who work for entrepreneurs. We are SMEs, so we understand your limitations in terms of costs and budgets and things like that. So, you know, it's it's definitely something that you can work around in finding the right expertise, the right people that uh, that's affordable. So, and there's a lot of information. Yeah, you are right. Uh, yeah, Monisha. That's that's how it works, um, and we need to move from reaction. Yes, reaction. We are past that. We need to be proactive. If you are going to sign a multi-billion deal, what stops you from spending that one point zero one percent on legal fees, mm. and you enter into a long-term agreement that is actually checked, and you are also investing in due diligence, and you say you want to know if these people are real. Yeah. Yeah. So, so at the end of the day, 
consider your transactions, whether you want to be in this thing for the long haul or you're just uh, doing these things short term. But what is critical is that when you know that you are getting something that is a bit complex legally or commercially for that matter, as she said, it's not in isolation, but check your commercial terms. They may be linked to legal terms. So give an expert that contract. And as Monisha says, we are experts in what we do, working with SMMEs and um, looking at transactions and also due diligence. Due diligence is very critical. People have been robbed entering into companies with in overseas and it turns out they don't exist. So as well, give us that work. We That's what we do for a living. We check yeah. those holes that they are not necessarily holes. So, I mean, in light of the fact that we've got a marketing lady in the house, I think maybe before I throw, before I throw the gauntlet her way and I throw in the deep end, maybe let me just ask you ladies just to break the ice a little bit. I mean, how do you guys market your businesses? Mm. At the That's core. very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys do? Business cards? I don't do business cards anymore. Yeah. To be honest. Um, and the, you know, the thing about lawyers is that generally they wait for clients to get into trouble and then to come to them. It doesn't work that way. So I work with a lot of the corporates in terms of developing SMEs. I work with development programs. I proactively send out proposals, copies of my book. I make myself visible. I write content on uh, different um, digital and printed magazines. Mm, mm. I am like any other SME. I I don't like the word, but we hustle and uh, we make ourselves visible. Mm. And um, not a lot of SMEs know that there are lawyers like us out there. They believe That's that uh, law is in, you know, in like a five ten radius of the kilometer radius of the JSE, and they all big, the big five That's or true. six um, top tier firms. There are companies, SME, um, small law firms like ours that. So we try to make ourselves as visible. For me, I do as visible as possible. The one way that lawyers do uh, do make themselves visible is by by doing content marketing. Mm. Which is uh, just providing a lot of information, education, training. And from that, um, we are able to um, then assist with specific yeah. cases. And I also have an online legal tool, which I encourage SMEs, and I've developed that to help them assist them to uh, to have an idea as to what they should be considering for their businesses. Nice. Yes, it's true. I do a lot of educational seminars and uh, I do some article writing as well. And this is how you get the attention of mm. SMMEs to mm. say, I've been doing this. But as she says, information is there. But sometimes you see in these educational sessions, the participation is amazing mm. because now people are starting to understand that we need to be proactive. So I believe that being visible in terms of that will actually market um, the business. Yeah. So, I mean, according to you, what's, what's, what's your input with regards to this marketing conversation? I mean, maybe, maybe let me ask you, maybe let me ask it this way. I mean, what sort of, um, uh, what sort of marketing trends or ways, um, do you, according to you, doesn't have to, there's no wrong or right here. Please feel free. I mean, what do you think attorneys, lawyers need to be doing more of or better of in terms to, to attract the right clients or mar- just marketing their business? Um, okay, well, first of all, I'm a firm believer of uh, social media yeah. 
heavy firm believer of it. I believe it's the fastest way to get anywhere. Yeah. In today's, also it can make it make or break you, because you don't know what people are going to say about you, what they're going to think or get a perception of you from social media. But I'd 100% go with that. But also, if it's to do with law, it's not always some something you can advertise. Like, hey, uh, if you're in a if you're in a sticky situation, I can help you out. <laughs> I can imagine that. <laughs> can't do that. Um, and also, like reviews, you can't exactly have people write reviews about you if yeah. you if you're in a law firm or if you're in a law situation. Like, I was in this trouble, and um, mm. she helped me with this. It's hmm. not confidential then, yeah, yeah. so it's a very st- tricky thing to ask. But I would definitely be. Um, um, like how, how do I explain this? I know Manisha Pua sorry, she's my aunt. <laughs> yes. She's my aunt. So um she goes and does um she goes with her book and she makes it known that she knows what she's doing. Like her book knows her book is her her legacy basically. And then her online um tools and um the the what, what do you call that thing that she did where you went and had like a stall? Oh, so she, t- she uh, Shara is referring to trade shows. Yes. That's so, that. um, there's a quite a few SME, uh, entrepreneurship conferences and there's, so I do a lot of trade shows and, um, make myself visible that way. Yes. yes. That oh, way. Nice. Yes. yes. So I think that's a very good thing because then you can also be, uh, branch out to, um, students. Tell them, listen, you're invited to this. Please come and see us. Um, also give them opportunities, educate them that way because they may, they may need, we may need your help one day. Yes. So true. if we're not educated, how do yeah. we know we can actually go and seek help? Cause yeah. I know my generation, like if I'm sick, I'm going to go on the internet. Yeah. So that's why you self-diagnose. Exactly. So now, if I'm in legal trouble, I'm gonna be yeah. like, "Oh, I'm so smart. I know how to work a computer. I'm gonna go online." Yeah, that's, that's not true. always gonna help you. <laughs> so if you know where to go, and it's 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 readily available available for you, like the way these two ladies have have it available, then I think it's good. It's good. Wow, you see, I mean, there's so much more I have to ask, but she's standing here. Uh-oh. Yeah, but ladies, I mean, as, as we shut the show mm. off, we're actually all just a bit over, just, just, just about to grace the overclock. I mean, quickly, how do we get in touch with you? And we'll also post these details on our Facebook page. Okay, great stuff. Um, you can email us at info, um, at Sukunyana Inc., which is inc.co.za. Or you can WhatsApp us. We've got a WhatsApp number in the office, 061-546-8426. Or our landline, 011-0457769. You can contact me on info at mprem, as in Mnet Premier. (laughs) (laughs) mprem.co.za. And I will personally like to offer everybody that's listening a 20-minute telephonic consultation Regarding any commercial issue that you're having in your business, I'd like to help you. So call me, or send me an email and we'll set that up. And as for me, your host, Bulelani Balabala, don't talk to me. Talk mm-hmm. to my lawyer. lawyer. <laughs> 360 Biz on cliffcentral.com. All right, boy, it's day 539 of Becky's Not Over Brad Marathon. We're here live on a, frankly, delicious bolognese day on the living room wall. I love what she hasn't done with her hair. Stunning. Works so well with that dirty, oversized ex-boyfriend sweater. And uh, looks like we'll kick things off with a hit of the old cheese in a can. Classic. I mean, if that isn't perfectly timed, cheesy aerosol magnificence, I don't know what is. Me neither, Ken. Now, look at this focus. Yeah. This commitment to season three of Obese Brides. That's fat. I mean, six hours and mm. counting. 
unwavering. Stop that. Oh, another hit of cheese. Uh, mm. And looks like she'll break now for some social media stalking. Swiping through the ex's photos like a wild cat in a litter box. She's already zooming in on a pic of the ex snogging a random. <laughs> Observe the bottom lip quiver, yeah. the face crumple. Oh, yeah. Nice. There is a bubble in that left nostril. That is moist. Oh, this is big. Whoa, whoa hold it. Hold it, Paul. Oh, yes. yes. This seems to be an 8.7 on the ugly cry scale, Paul. Yes, what a moment. You know what? I think this calls for some annoying face buzzing, Ken. Agreed. Right behind you, Paul. Right behind you. Flies see too much. Kill them. With fast, deadly doom. Cliffcentral.com